So a lot of times when we talk about you know, what an organization needs to do in order to deploy AI, we first have to look at the scenarios and the use cases and, and the business processes. I like to say the first thing about AI is forget about AI you know, and start looking at your business process. You can't automate a mess and you can't automate what you don't understand. So understanding those processes, mapping those processes, and then looking for the, the, the gaps. Welcome to Conversations That Matter, a podcast from Unifor. Here, we explore the latest customer experience trends, sales insights, innovations in AI and automation, and more with well-known thought leaders and industry experts. Tune in and join the conversation. Hello, everyone. My name is Randy Kassar, and you are joining another Live with Unifor event. I am here in Palo Alto, California at the Unifor HQ, and we are so excited that you've joined us. I wanted to introduce to you guys a special guest today. Our special guest is an, an amazing uh, entrepreneur as well as information architect, which we'll get into pretty soon, but he's also the author of AI Powered Enterprise, and he is a CEO and co-founder and founder of his own company, Early Information Sciences. And we're so excited to welcome Seth Early. Seth, welcome to the show. So nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So excited that you're here. And uh, I think, you know, the reason I wanted to reach out to you is to dive in to AI and the enterprise. What, what is the hesitation that people have? What are some of the challenges that people have? So I'm super excited that you're here. Terrific. Well, let's jump in. Happy let's, to yeah, let's, uh, let's answer what it. I can. <laughs> uh, Seth, one of the things that we always start off our podcast with is debunking a myth. <laughs> so <laughs> the one myth that you think that enterprises uh, are having an issue with that keep on happening that you have to kind of re-explain yourself mm. when, when the enterprises are implementing AI, uh, mm. what is that one myth that you like to debunk today? Well, I'll talk about a specific uh, type of AI, cognitive AI, and because that depends on having a, a good knowledge architecture and good knowledge bases. If your knowledge is a big mess, uh, then uh, by getting a chat bot or a digital assistant is not going to fix that. And that's a common myth. You know, a lot of organizations think, oh, we'll just get a, a digital assistant and uh, that'll right. fix our knowledge, right? <laughs> but chatbots exactly. are a channel. And if you don't have the information, you know, they, they're they not going to work, right? So we have to train them. We have to tell them the things that, that uh, we would train a, an employee, a brand new employee. Right. Now, there are some organizations that are building language models that are great at general tasks or common tasks, employee tasks, IT tasks. And that's great. But it doesn't get into the deep knowledge and expertise that really differentiates an organization. So I think that's one of the big challenges is that organizations will really need to spend time uh, organizing and managing their knowledge in order to be effective uh, with digital assistance. And, and those, those capabilities will just be increasing uh, as, as time goes on. Great point. I mean, knowledge is everywhere. We have a, a lot of data sources that are across organizations. Some of them are siloed. Some of them aren't. You know, how do you, how do you leverage AI to actually, uh, get insight into that data, right? Yeah. Cause data is just data, but when there's right, insight, right. that's key. And organizations compete on their knowledge, right? So, you know, when you, you know, I always say that a customer journey is a knowledge journey, right? We're, we're trying to find, you know, what, what products or services an organization has yeah. trying to decide what's appropriate for us. We're trying to figure out, you know, how to purchase, how to make a selection, how to use it. Uh, maintain it, you know, get support. 
And really, you know, those are the areas that start to get, you know, expensive if we have to use human agents and if we can use digital assistance to answer some of those questions. I mean, one of the things I say is, you know, why do people call a call center in the first place? It's because <laughs> right. something is broken, <laughs> right? Something's <laughs> yeah. not working. You can't Some get negative the experience. Yeah. Right, right. So, yeah. you know, we're trying to fix things upstream and using digital assistance to access that knowledge is is, you know, is a is a very broad set of capabilities. And uh yeah. those those bots and virtual assistants are good at a narrow selection of those things. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think a lot of people want to know uh, a little bit more about your background. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so if you could share with us kind of how you gain that expertise on information architecture as well as mm. uh, AI. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've kind of been self-trained for many years. Uh, when I first uh, started out, I was working uh, with the IBM and Lotus uh, technologies yeah. back in the day of groupware and knowledge management. And I kind of trained myself in application development and systems administration Back in the Lotus days, you know, we used to say yeah. Lotus did poorly, what nothing else could do at all. And of course, <laughs> it was one of those early iterations of knowledge management. In fact, um, one of the uh, first forays of IBM uh, in uh, machine learning and AI was something called the Lotus Discovery Server. And this is in the 90s. And yeah. uh, right. it was actually, that became something called OmniFind. Uh, and that DNA went into Watson. So oh, wow. a lot of these algorithms, and I co-authored a book back then uh, on that. Uh, don't buy it. It's completely out of date. <laughs> it was called Practical Knowledge Management. Okay. And, uh, it was really focused on the technology. But again, these things have been around for a long time. And yeah. what I really, really started to catalyze my, my deeper research is several years ago, I was trying to find out how these things worked, You know, how these virtual assistants, digital assistants, chatbots worked. And I remember going to a conference and talking to a vendor and they said, uh, they started to show me question answer pairs and they even had misspellings and variations in the questions. And I was like, you're not even using machine learning to, you know, to classify utterances into intents. You're you're not even, you know, this is completely impractical. And I said, this seems like a lot of, you know, stuff that has to go in as a foundation. And the, and the, the answer was, oh, the customer has a knowledge base. I said, really? The customer has a knowledge base. You just connect up to that knowledge base. <laughs> you can't. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> yeah, right. You can't assume the answer. You can't assume yeah. the thing that you don't have. Right. right so right. I started to research it and I found, you know, that, uh, that, you know, when you start looking at machine learning algorithms, they really are all about classification. At, at the foundation, it's about classification, yeah. classifying, you know, uh, looking for anomalies, looking for, uh, different uh, uh, patterns of behavior or patterns of, of data. And so if you don't make the decisions around the information architecture and the structure and the classification, that's because somebody else did, right? Because yeah, it's yeah. built into the program. And I wrote an article several years ago called There's No AI Without IA. There's no artificial intelligence without information architecture because you really do need to build in the right data structures and the right uh, the right uh, architecture, the right uh, attributes, the right features, and all of that is necessary for uh, AI. In fact, uh, you know, it was, it was appropriated by Ginny Romney when she was president, uh, CEO of IBM at Davos, Switzerland, at the World Economic Forum. Uh-huh. She said, "There's a f- and people are asking her why AI was having challenges in the enterprise." She said, "There's a funny saying in our industry: there's no AI without IA." And it was explaining <laughs> how you need to have good quality data. And the data has to be in the right format and structure and so on in order for these algorithms to, to function. 
I love that. So there's no AI w- without IA. I, I, mm-hmm. All right, let's put that in the uh, in the notes right here. There is no AI without IA. And I know you talked about that in your book, mm-hmm. uh, which we're going to get to real soon. Um, but since we're on the background, uh, there was one question that I had um, around your mentor. Like, uh, who was your mentor growing up um, mm. that kind of guided you in your career uh, mm. that maybe uh, was a, you know, um, someone that you could throw some ideas at, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was AI or maybe just like to get to where you are now? Well, you said growing up, so I thought there's some, you know, I had great teachers in, you know, high school yeah. who really encouraged me. And I had some great teachers in college who really encouraged me. And, uh, you know, uh, just saw uh, capabilities that maybe I didn't see. And then they really helped bring that out and, and give me the confidence that I needed. And uh, I think in early in my career, you know, there was a gentleman who uh, really helped me look at um, my background and look at, um, uh, you know, how I communicated my capabilities, yeah. how I uh, could explain some of my, my career, you know, and, and how even had me change my signature. It was really funny. It was very yeah. fundamental. And he taught me a lot about marketing, about sales, about, you know, outreach, about value propositions. And so he was very, uh, he was invaluable in my, in my career. And that was uh, yeah. a, a guy named Ken Wax. And it was many years ago, but uh, still think of him as, as one of the people that really influenced me. Yeah, and I think we all have our own kind of mentors growing up, mm-hmm. um, you know. And people these days, uh, I've seen when we when you talk to like a, a coach, mm-hmm. is that you know who is your executive board, right? Uh, that can provide you that advice. That could be that sounding wall. Yeah. So uh, that's that's uh, definitely for those that are, are listening in. If you have a mentor that you want to tag in the comments, definitely do that. Give them a shout out, and uh, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, and I've also had career coaches and executive coaches over the years, and and they they've all been helpful. You know, they've all given me insights. And then I had a uh, uh, a woman who was actually one of my first customers. Uh, you know, twenty eight years ago, who sold her company and then came on board for a while, and she was a tremendous advisor. Uh, so you know, there's been a lot of people over the years who I've looked to for advice and, and insights. And, uh, and now I belong to an organization in Boston called uh, EO Entrepreneur Organization. And oh, there's cool. a group of folks that meet uh, on a regular basis. And so, you know, that's, that's another forum that, uh, yeah. that's helpful. That's great. That's great. Um, so we talked about your book uh, mm-hmm. briefly, but we'd love for you to share uh, to our audience what the book's about. Uh, for those of you watching it online right now, there is a link. Um, bit.ly, so that's bit.ly slash AI Enterprise. That goes straight to Seth's website, mm-hmm. and there's a link on there to, to purchase it from Amazon. But uh, Seth, uh, what was the genesis of, of this book? Mm-hmm. Um, I know I found it useful. I'd love mm-hmm. to get your, your thoughts on it. So, you know, when when I was doing my research and trying to figure out, you know, how to, um, you know, deploy AI and especially cognitive systems, you know, I, I started to realize that so much of this was was ba- was dependent upon work that I had been doing over the past 20 years, even yeah. if it was not related to AI. It was related to IA, to information architecture. So a lot of times when we talk about, you know, what an organization needs to do in order to deploy AI, we first have to look at the scenarios and the use cases and, and the business processes. I like to say the first thing about AI is forget about AI, <laughs> you know, and start looking at your business process. You can't automate a mess and you can't automate what you don't understand. So understanding those processes, mapping those processes 
and then looking for the, the, the gaps. So I talk a lot about doing that. I talk a lot about, there's a lot of uh, 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 case studies in the book and a lot about, you know, how you analyze that process, how you analyze and understand a customer experience, where you look for those gaps, and then how you have interventions to, to reduce the friction of the interaction. And in friction can be in, in lots of different places. It could be internal knowledge processes. It could be the external customer experience. It could be in support operations. And what we're trying to do is really speed up those information flows in the organization. And right. the book is meant to help organizations understand what they need to do to prepare the business and to really find the, the, the appropriate use cases and then to be able to uh, define the actual um, information structure, the information architecture for uh, those particular use cases. So well, it, there's a lot about governance in there. There's a lot about process analysis, about the customer experience, about search, knowledge yeah. management, and, and so on. Well, that's awesome. And, and I'm, I have it up on the screen now for those that are watching us online. Um, again, Seth Early, uh, we're talking to you live right now uh, on Unifor's LinkedIn channel. Uh, this is also available for those that are listening to it on demand on our podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to our podcast, we are, we are talking to CX and AI experts across the gamut of different industries. And uh, you can find it on your favorite podcast uh, player, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or on Unifor.com. Um, so Seth, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, that I love is the, the first part of the book that you, uh, have a story where you're kind of looking forward at someone in 2024 mm -hmm. and they, uh, and it, I don't know, it lasts for, at least on my Kindle for about 10 or so pages. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was an, an interesting way to think about where the future is going to go mm -hmm. in terms of how people are going to, uh, how people are, are going to leverage AI in their day-to-day, -day, right? Right, right. Um, you know, Tell us a, a little bit about that that intro that you had because right. um, I think that was a, a great storytelling uh, mm. moment for me. I'm a storyteller mm -hmm. and I love mm -hmm. that. Thank and, you. Uh, tell us about that. Sure. So, you know, when we start looking at these virtual assistants and bots and, and digital assistants, you know, they're kind of crappy today, right? They, they, okay. they don't degrade uh, very gracefully. They... They fail on simple things. You know, they're, many of them don't have a lot of utility. You know, there's some that are good, but they're very narrow in terms of what they do. They're not terribly conversational. It's easy for them to, you know, uh, not interpret, not understand what you're doing. You know, I can't tell you how many endless loops I've been in, you know, trying to get customer service and getting sent back to the bot and the bot not being able to answer the question and sending me to the beginning yeah. of the process and so on. <laughs> but, this, but we know one day... These things are going to be great, right? We know, think of the Palm Pilot, think of the PDAs 25 years ago, and think about what, what yeah, we have with an to... iPhone today, right? Yeah. I mean, they start off, you know, really sucking, and that's a technical term. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's right. And they get better and better over time. So the same thing is going to happen with these conversational AI and this cognitive AI. When we say cognitive, what we're doing is reducing the cognitive load on the human, right? They don't think. Uh, I also like yeah. um, a colleague, um, uh, uh, Dan Turchin, uh, talks about augmented intelligence. AI is augmented intelligence, yeah. helping humans do their jobs. Right. It's not, getting, so, rid of, it's not getting rid of their jobs. Right. It's only it's helping them do it better. That's right. It's a yeah. tool in the toolkit. 
But this gentleman, uh, Alan Perkins, is the you know the character in the story, and yeah. from the time he gets up in the morning, he and till the time he goes to bed, he's using different conversational assistants. He's checking on his portfolio. He's changing, you know, the mix of his portfolio and, and his investments. He's yeah. scheduling and, uh, you know, travel. He's getting travel yeah. details. He's looking for parts. Some of these virtual assistants work for him. Some work for his company. Some work for other companies. Yeah. Some work for, uh, you know, uh, some are general utilities. But the point here is that these virtual assistants are inter are are, are very interactive in terms of a conversation. And it, and it will be like talking to a person. It won't be the same as talking to a person, but it'll be similar to that. We know one day we'll get there, right? That's the nature of technology. One day we'll be talking to all of our technology and the te technology will be able to respond back. And what's yep. standing between us today and then? It's the data, it's the content, it's the knowledge, right? Yep. So I think that these are things that are they're rapidly accelerating and and, uh, for the organizations that really don't have a handle on knowledge, because knowledge is the key to this, right? Course, and structuring yeah. and, and codifying that knowledge is the key. And, and the organizations that are doing a good job of that are very far ahead of the organizations who are not. You know, one organization we started working with several years ago does a fantastic job of it. And, and they started off with just cr managing their content, uh, yeah. using component authoring, create once, publish everywhere. And it goes out to their distribution channels. It goes out to field service. It goes out right. to marketing campaigns. It goes out sure, to yeah. call center, to customer self-service, and to their bots, right? And the bots are using the same content that is created. So that that's efficiency that needs to happen anyway, right? And one of the things to think about is you can solve problems today that are going to improve your efficiencies and improve the ability right. for your employees to do their jobs, improve customer service. And even if you're not using AI, even if you're not building assistance, it's it's going to set you up for the ability to do that in totally. the future. But having that now, it's like the same things that you need to train uh, a bot, you need to train a human, right? So yeah. when we're building totally. that stuff, we can build it in a way that serves both purposes. Yeah. Um, so I think you, you made a very clear point that AI is definitely you know necessary and a requirement for businesses. You know, why are people waiting? What is the hesitation? Uh, that's a whole other conversation. But I think uh, your, your points were, were very valid and were, were right on point. Um, so, you know, as we kind of get into, say, like the implementation phase, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the question uh, that I had from our community uh, was, mm -hmm. what are the key building blocks of implementing AI in your tech stack? Where do, where do people start? Uh, right. So again, I, you know, you start with process analysis and you want to understand, you know, where are, is there a gap or friction in a process? Yeah. But, you know, if you're building machine learning algorithms, the first, you know, you really need to think about uh, AI operations, AI ops, I, AI IT ops, right? Yeah. And that means that you need to start looking at uh, the data sources and preparing that, capturing that data, preparing that data, normalizing that data building baselines around that data, and then depending, and then building an algorithm or selecting an algorithm that's going to help you look for anomalies in that data, whether it's, you know, intrusions, you know, alerts for, you know, your IT network, whether it's, uh, you know, fraud reports or, or fraudulent applications, whatever we're yep. doing, we need to get a baseline. And then the machine learning algorithm can train on that and yep. then look Definitely. for, you know, the, the anomalies, right? It could be yeah. vibrations coming from uh, a machine, right? There's uh, uh, Amazon is selling um, 
sensors now that are being placed on machinery in factories that are automatically getting the baselines. They're just detecting how the machine should, how the motor should operate, operating temperature, vibrations, all the signals of a healthy uh, device. And then when, as soon as there is an anomaly, it gets triggered. So we need to say, what are our baselines? What are we looking for in terms of anomaly detection? And then how do we flag that, right? How do we make that somebody aware of it? And then finally, we have to act on it. So we really need to be able to manage that those data sources you know keep yeah. make sure that those data sources are structured correctly you know many times when we're doing a POC or building something in a sandbox we find that we spend a lot of time manipulating the data cleansing the data backfilling the data right making it more complete and they say that data scientists spend more time being data janitors <laughs> than data <laughs> right but then when yeah. we get to production we don't necessarily have that so we really have yeah. to solve those production data problems when we're doing this many times you know the the data is more important than the algorithm right because and and what i see is you know organizations that are able to capture that data and build out you know those baselines are able to leverage those algorithms more appropriately right so yeah part of it is making sure that you're you you understand that process what is it that you're trying to uh, uh, augment? What is it you're trying yeah. to fill? Where's there friction in the process? Where do you have human intervention when you don't have want, want to have human intervention? When is there great questions. data for people to process, right? Reducing that cognitive load again. And then again, when you're starting to deploy these things, you need to have feedback mechanisms that tell you how well your algorithm is performing. And yeah. there has to be a way of, you know, managing, you know, the, the, the master data that goes into these systems uh, the data quality, and then fine-tuning the algorithm as you get results so that you can Im- improve the functionality and improve the, the performance of the algorithm. So you, so baselines are key, but you also sound like you were talking about benchmarks too. Baselines uh, and benchmarks, yes. Right, yeah. I, I mean, when you think about it, a baseline is kind of your normal state. Like what is the, what is the operation of the equipment? What is the standard you know, uh, pattern of, of uh, applications? Uh, right. What is the pattern of, you know, of uh, uh, attempted intrusions, whatever it might be. And, you know, the benchmark is similar to that, right? It's saying yeah. that we have to have this, this kind of reference point uh, for the data. And then what we're looking for are exceptions and anomalies to that data. And then being able to flag that uh, for the right intervention and be able to right. act on it. I mean, a big piece is acting on it, right? You won't, You don't want too many... You don't want too many anomalies that are irrelevant, right? You need to be able to filter those to the most yeah. important things. Yeah. And then there's got to be a mechanism to act on that. And I that's really where a knowledge architecture also comes into play. Um, there was one organization that uh, we were working with that had sensors on all of this equipment, but but you know they weren't able to contextualize the data that was coming from that equipment. Gotcha. Right? So it was like too much data that was coming to too them. Too much data, they and didn't then know what to do. What do you What do you do? How do you act on it? I mean, you could you can imagine that you have a machine learning algorithm that detects um, uh, faulty products coming off an assembly line. But yeah. you need to say, well, what product line? What manufacturing process? What supplier of you know of uh, materials? You know who's going to to uh, uh, address this issue? So that whole feedback loop has to include, you know, the structure to be able to act on those insights, right? Yeah. So acting on the insights is as important, <laughs> right, yeah. as yeah. detecting and, and deriving those insights. 
Great points. Great points. Uh, so for those that are listening in, thank you for joining us. Uh, for those that are on demand, uh, we always want to hear your feedback. Definitely hit us up at podcast at unifor.com or you can tag us uh, on on Twitter. We're still there uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can use the hashtag CTM Unifor. That's CTM Unifor or CTM Podcast. Either one of those will work. Um, <clears throat> so let's get to the build versus buy. I think this is a, mm-hmm. a key thing uh, that organizations run through. Mm-hmm. They have their teams set up, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's data science team. I mean, a lot of, you know, Fortune 1000 companies do have that. Um, what, how are they making the decision on building versus mm-hmm. buying? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. And part of it is, you know, number one, uh, is this, or is your initiative going to provide competitive advantage, right? Are you really going to be able to use this in a way that is going to differentiate your organization? In that case, you may want to start building something because when you buy uh, a, a a capability, it's a common capability, right? It means your competitors can use that same capability. So, so whenever you're looking like at a generalized man- language model, or you're looking at uh, an, an application that can can uh, provide some other uh, uh, benefit, but it's common and and other competitors can use it as well. It's not going to provide as much of a competitive advantage. When it's part of your competitive advantage, when you're looking at, you know, insurance claims processing and you need to really make that more efficient than your competition and do image processing and do, you know, the ability, have the ability to, you know, reduce manual steps. That's really a core capability. There may be packages out there that you can purchase, but it may be worth if you have the resources to invest in a, a differentiated capability. But then you also have to realize that that there's large organizations that have the resources and the budget to really uh, invest in uh, yeah. in their data science teams and machine learning algorithms. So you wouldn't want to necessarily do you know speech recognition, right? Uh, yeah. You know there are vendors out there that have speech recognition algorithms that they've put you know millions of dollars into, and is that really going to provide a competitive advantage, or is that simply a service that you that you plug yeah. in? To your application, and the application has other uh, nuances and other capabilities that do provide the competitive advantage, right? So, yes. in other words, you differentiate. If uh, standardization gives you efficiency, differentiation gives you competitive advantage. So, you want to think about the build versus buy. In that, you know, is this going to give us some differentiated competitive advantage, or is it something that's common enough that you know we can build it into something? It's going to give us some efficiencies. But yeah. it's not really part of a competitive advantage. If it is part of a competitive advantage, if it, if it is part of your core business, then you want to probably build more of your own capability than relying mm-hmm. on an external vendor. You know, I, I like to say you can't outsource your competitive advantage. Right? <laughs> that has to point. be a core competence. Good point. Um, you know, as we uh, are getting towards uh, the. Um, kind of tail end of our podcast, uh, we wanted to make sure people have an opportunity for questions. So now is the time to ask questions. Uh, if you have any uh, out there, just make sure to either send us an email at podcast.unifor.com or you can also put it in the LinkedIn Live. Um, and this is also available on demand on LinkedIn. So feel free to post it there and then we'll follow up with Seth uh, and send him the questions. Um, so the last question that we have before we get to rapid fire is, of course, Future looking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this week 
uh, or actually the past couple of weeks, um, OpenAI uh, mm. Chat GPT tool mm-hmm. was released, uh, and people are just going gangbusters over it, <laughs> um, mm. testing it out, trying to stump it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why did they get the press? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because Elon is, is was formally b- behind it. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts over how AI uh, is going to affect the enterprise? Let's talk about mm. the enterprise specifically over the next two or three years. Yeah, well, there's a lot of discussion about the democratization of AI. And I think that means that there's there's going to be more uh, applications that are low code or no code where you can configure these for yeah. the enterprise um, I think that there will be a lot more common um, usage of AI. The enterprise will start to realize that they need to, you know, look at uh, core data quality issues. I think there's going to be a lot of spend in knowledge management to support cognitive AI. In fact, I think Gartner had predicted that um, uh, knowledge management for AI was going to be the fastest growing area of AI and the largest spend. So enterprises are realizing they have to make those investments. And I think you'll start to see more usage of uh, cognitive assistance, both supporting uh, internal employee tasks. Um, there's a company that I work with. Uh, we actually did a recent podcast called uh, People Rain. Uh, and, uh, and what they do is they automate many of the help desk um, applications, but it still requires the knowledge, right? You can't do it without the knowledge. But I think yeah. these language models are going to become more sophisticated there still will be unique terminology for industries and unique terminology for an organization, but the language models are always getting better, right? They're always yeah. uh, uh, able to recognize more intents. And I think the uh, libraries of utterances uh, classified to intents will become more and more sophisticated so that you will better be able time. to build more of this stuff out of the box and not have to build your own uh, language model. So I think that's what's coming yeah. And the democratization and the further, um, uh, you know, embedding of AI in core processes, and and I think people are going to be, it's going to be less about, uh, you know, an AI application and more about an application, right? Right. right? Yeah. Because yeah. It, it's built into so many things, right? There's machine learning behind right. so much of the functionality that we have. Yeah. Search has always had an app, had uh, machine learning algorithms for the last 20, 20 plus years, thirty years, yeah. uh, so. So again, I think there's more that's baked into core processes, and it'll just be it will gain greater fluency, and then we'll improve uh, the data sources because that will yeah. be the name of the game. Yep, yeah. uh, that, that's a great point, and I, lo- I love um, where you're headed. It's going to become table stakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly, it's going to be embedded in everything, um, similar to how our mobile phones are embedded in our life. AI mm-hmm. is going to be embedded in our life, uh, no matter where we go. Yep. All right. So we're going to get now to the rapid fire section. This is the rapid fire section of our podcast. Again, uh, this is the Conversations That Matter podcast from Unifor. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Uh, for today's rapid fire, the first question that we always ask our guests is, if you had a celebrity, uh, dead or alive, that could answer your customer service or your contact center uh, phone call, um, <laughs> who would that celebrity be? Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. I love that. That's our that's, a, that's our first Jack Nicholson. I really yeah. need to tally up uh, the uh, yeah. the celebrities and, and who says what. But yeah. Jack is awesome. Yeah, in his, uh, I, in his best evil voice. <laughs> <laughs> now, I usually uh, add to that question that this is someone that would actually help you. 
Um, wow. So if you want Jack in the evil voice, you might be thinking of, you know, maybe more in the past 10 years versus like when he first started, you know, like the shining. Yeah. <laughs> then I would say Jason Sadakis. Because he's, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's his, great. His uh, Ted, Lasso, Ted Lasso um, character is, is wonderful. Yeah. That's awesome. He pulls it off. <laughs> he totally does. Yeah, totally does. Mm. All right. Uh, what's one thing not on your LinkedIn profile? Uh, I have a uh, black belt in uh, Shotokan Karate. Oh, that's amazing. I study Aikido as well. Is, and you, you're I'm, still practicing it? And, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, since awesome. my shoulder surgery, I've had to take a little time off. But yeah. uh, hopefully I'll be back soon. I'm yeah. sure you will. I'm sure you will. Um. And then uh, the last thing that uh, we like to ask is, what's your best day? What, what does that entail? My best day is probably when I have the opportunity to go out and run a workshop and educate people. I get a lot of gratification from that. I really enjoy it. I enjoy communicating and helping people understand uh, complex topics. I love when people get an aha moment. Yeah. And I love the feedback when they say, oh, that was an awesome workshop. I learned so much. So that's gratifying to me. That's, that's what I really love. That's awesome. All right. Well, Seth, uh, you know, we end every podcast, not just with the rapid fire, but we want to give you the airwaves. So how can people find out about you and your company? Um, sure. you know, feel free to kind of give us that four and one and, and how to reach you. Sure. So uh, you can reach us at uh, www.early.com. And that's E-A-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget the E before the Y. <laughs> yep. I don't know how much more traffic I would have gotten if I if I bought the other domain, E-A-R-L-Y. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can also connect with the, me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's just Seth Early. And again, don't forget the E before the Y. You can check out the book. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we you, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, so you can uh, check me out there and uh, happy to have conversations about knowledge management, about product information management, about content management, about customer uh, analytics and customer journey management. Uh, you know, we're a professional services firms, so we help yeah. organizations solve these really complex problems and help them usher in AI. We help with AI strategy. Uh, with uh, a number of, of areas helping you identify the processes that are most uh, appropriate for an intervention and uh, help to build the yeah. governance that's going to keep these things in uh, in order over time, right? A lot of times people yeah. fix data, but then it goes, you know, it goes out of control again. Yeah. So part of it is governance and metrics-driven governance. So you can show ROI and you can do course corrections and you can really keep things you know, fixed after you fix them. So we help you fix them. We help you strategize. We help you fix it. And we help help keep it, keep uh, everything running in uh, working order. Awesome. Well, I'm sure our listeners are going to find a lot of value with you. So make sure to reach out to Seth and go to his company. And then oh, you know, Seth at early.com. S-E-T-H at early.com is my email as well. Awesome. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. No worries. Yep. We'll put it all in the show notes. We'll make sure that on the on-demand version, everyone sees that. Um, and just like your main point that you mentioned earlier in, in the show, it's in the book. There's no AI without IA. And we so help Seth, the IA. <laughs> totally, yeah. So, yeah. Seth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Well, thanks, everyone. Have a great day wherever you are. Uh, we'll be back with another Live with Unifor uh, later this week. Uh, we're going to be talking to a gentleman by the name of Todd Unger from the AMA, the American Medical Association. He's going to be talking about how they're optimizing the physician's experience. So it's another great show. Make sure to tune in. Check our LinkedIn page for all the latest information. 
And as always, if you have any questions, email us at podcast at uniform.com. We always love to hear your feedback and who our next guest should be. Who should be the next Seth? There's only one Seth, but who should be the next guest? Um, so thanks again, Seth. And uh, everyone you. have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations That Matter. Subscribe to our podcast for more great content. And if you want to learn more about the topic we discussed, visit Unifor.com today.